Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. Good morning from Scranton, Pennsylvania, June 23rd. 44 degrees here. Could you believe that? Which is like 6 degrees Celsius. Oh my god, we have like, I I don't know Fahrenheit degrees, but we are, it's very warm here. It's like uh, 30 degrees Celsius. Crazy. Well, it's just a weird summer weather here. That sounds really weird. Yep. Anyway, and out west it's like, you know, blazing sun. Okay, let's get back to the Assyrian uh, society of the 7th century BC. Yes, please. Uh, I do have a few more things to say about the court. We don't really know how palace protocol and daily conduct of affairs really work in the 7th century BC. But we do have a group of royal edicts from the Middle Assyrian period, that is, long before the time we covered in this podcast. We, we can also note that the things we do know are fairly similar to the later uh, sultan of the Ottoman period, for the harem especially. So we can, as- we can assume a lot about how it worked in the Neo-Syrian Empire. Of course, the uh, women in the harem were, freak- were jealously guarded. <laughs> of course. And not only for sexual purposes, because the harem was a notorious source of conspiracies. Yes, idle hands are the work of the devil, right? Exactly, and these women must have been quite idle, I think. I think so. And there was eunuchs, a lot of eunuchs probably too, as part of the court, right? And they were also good at conspiracies. Yeah. 
So one rule to stop this was that it was absolutely forbidden for any woman to give a present to a servant. Aha. No presents at all, huh? No present. Hmm. Not even sexual favors, nothing. I think sexual favors were especially forbidden. Ah, okay. And then, of course, you had to look at who were admitted to the court. So you had officials whose job was to admit the right people to the court. And if they let somebody else who shouldn't uh, let somebody in who shouldn't be in the court, they were punished. And this punishment usually took the form of mutilation. Well, isn't that nice? Mutilation is a very cost-efficient punishment because you don't have to pay for jailers and keep a prison, <laughs> etc. Just cut something off and you're done with it. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. You'd think that the revenge thing would come into play, right? Oh, yes. Like, if you cut off my hand, I might want to. But I guess I can't, you know. Well, it's like, on again, Game of Thrones, right? Remember they cut off the guy's hand, the Kingslayer. Yes. And, uh, of course, you have the Hammurabi's rules, uh, the laws, where stuff was cut off all the time, eye for an eye, etc., that returns in the Old Testament. So you just, just, that seems like a minor offense to be, you know, mutilated for. Well, it, the guy you let in could have been an assassin true yeah you can't mess around with that and if the king traveled i can't imagine that this happened when he traveled for war but if he traveled for something else he brought a lot of the court and the harem with him huh and this was also under strict procedure so they would take them to, to wars you think and stuff too i guess so you need your women i, I can't imagine shalmaneser the third having 300 wives with him in in the Battle of Karkar. <laughs> no. We also have a similarity to the, the Roman Empire uh, or the Roman Republic in that this was all basically run mafia style with patron and clients. And you really had to have a patron to get anywhere mm-hmm. if you were ambitious. So everybody was the, the client of someone, not to the same extent as in the Roman world, but th- this was definitely a factor. So, like, what, is that, what does that mean? I know in the Romans, it just seemed like they were, you know, they had to kind of see their patrons every morning and they, they would use them to vote and things like that, right? Well, I wonder what that was like. I don't think it was to that extent, but it was more like to get anywhere, you need to bribe the right person or know the right person. Oh, right. Right, right. The, the king in Assyria was not addressed as the royal V, like in older traditions. Mm-hmm. Like in other traditions, that if you have, the king was always the king my lord, and he replied in as I. So this, this is, we see in letters, so we think that it also was the way it was talked about in the court. So, so you said... The king, my lord, and he answered, I command you to do this. Ah, uh, gotcha. Right. And so then the king, he always, whenever they write too, they mention Asher, my lord. The king, the king always said, Asher, my lord. Yes. Probably the same thing. Which shows you the hierarchy. It's Asher's first. Those were the few things we didn't take up, we didn't cover in the last episode. And now we're going to get into how this oh, yeah, right. empire was actually managed. Yeah. I mean, really, it is 
They say it's the first true empire in history, right? And you can see why. Oh, yes. And once again, I must stress how extremely conservative this society is Mm -hmm. and how stable it is. Yeah, there's something to be said for conservatism. Most people in Assyria work within the system because they know no other system and they don't seem very keen to break the system. Right. I mean, the world in those days was so much more chaos, you know? That's the king's, the king's role also was to, you know, eliminate and keep the chaos away from people. And I think the pe- people turned to the empire for that. This right. old style of government that has obviously worked for a long time and will keep chaos away. Right. And we must remember that it was attractive to become an Assyrian citizen that people wanted to live in a state disorderly instead of living in Aramean chaos or something like that. Correct. And then I imagine, you know, say you, you know, your family was taken into Assyria and then you were born in Assyria and maybe even had some merit because they were, they were based, you know, pretty relatively on merit, right? That wasn't just, well, they didn't have a super racial thing where you had to be, you know, a genetic, quote, Assyrian to be... You know, an official. I know. I believe the Arameans even became part of the government, and so you know that's kind of attractive. It's like I used to live in a in a rural place, and now you move me into a cool city with all these things to do. Then you just sort of become an Assyrian. Yes. And now we will see how that system worked. All right. So I want you to imagine a pyramid, because this is very much a pyramid with a king at the very top. Okay, And then we have sort of levels with different officials and their power is a lot more than the people below them. All right. And my impression of this pyramid is that you better not try to talk to anyone that are two levels above you. So you should talk just to people above you in the pyramid. But the people above you in the pyramid, they can talk to any level. Right. So the king could, if he had the time, give direct orders to anyone. Right. But generally, he so you know he went through his men, which is I think the reason why it became the first real empire, right? Because they actually organized it like an empire that we understand, you know, in ancient history. They did, and I I'm sure this system grew organically and with good ideas, but. It's mainly held together by conservatism. That it, This is the way everyone imagines it has always been and will always be. Mm-hmm. Right. So you do have the king sitting at the top, maybe together with the crown prince or temporarily replaced with the crown prince. But the crown prince is sort of in a, in a special place. Yeah. So we have three officials below the king on the next level. And that is, of course, the Samuhi-Ekali, the Umanu, <laughs> and the Turtanu. I remember the Turtanu from the episode on Egypt. Not, I don't remember the other guys. Okay, so the Samuhi-Ekali is the, the major domo. Okay. And then we have the vice-chancellor, the Umanu, and the Turtanu is, of course, the field marshal. Yeah. 
So now I will try to explain these three positions because they are okay. super powerful in the Empire. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The major domo is working at the court. And he's always close to the king. And he is the only person who officially has direct access to the king. So he can go and talk to the king at any time, which no one else can. All right. If you want to talk to the king, you have to get permission from probably some of the majordomos guys below him. And then he has to okay it. Right. Yeah, he must have a, all these guys must have a staff. It's kind of like Secretary of State, that kind of thing. I, I remember there was, there was like a, when we did another episode, there was, um, and the Babylonian Chronicle said, the major domo recruited troops in Babylonia this year. Yes. Which they weren't supposed to do. This is very similar to the black eunuch of the Sultan's court in Ottoman Turkey. Ah. And we assume the major domo played this role. So he's, Sort of the he, the advisor is always close to the king, mm-hmm. and he can project enormous power and influence. I mean, thank gosh I mean, for them. It was good to have these more because you know the king is just a he's born. He's the king. He doesn't. He's not like he's smarter than anybody else normally. But the, these people would have had to be a little, have some more merit. You know, they'd have to be a little more, more able to do the things to run a government. So. I believe that's that helped, you know, like you said, to create this empire, make it work. But it does have two people who are equally powerful. And the first one is the Umanu, the vice chancellor. This is the king's chief advisor. Okay. So this is if the king wants to think about something, he will ask his chief advisor, the vice chancellor. And he has, of course, a lot of people working for him, giving the king good advice. Right. Whereas the major domo then is occupied with a lot of administration, the vice chancellor thinks about things. 
And I, I imagine him a lot like Jafar in Aladdin. I was, that was exactly what I was just going to say. I was saying, like, in a Disney movie, this guy is always a bad guy. <laughs> and we know what the Tutano does. He is the field marshal, the commander-in-chief of the armies, as long as the king doesn't want to be commander-in-chief. And, and often he's a eunuch, I believe, right? That might be true. I'm not sure. Yeah, I believe a lot of times he was a eunuch. Because, well, hey, that's just... That's a good observation. I mean, you use eunuchs because eunuchs didn't want to have their own power normally. So, yeah, for sure, giving a guy charge of an army. See how that worked for, you know, the Roman Republic. You can also note that in Assyrian inscriptions, if anyone else is mentioned, except for the king, it's usually one of these three guys. Yeah, you're right. And they'd be like on the, you know, I can't pronounce that. I can't even speak English as good as you know. The eponym, um, yes. How do you pronounce? Right, exactly. Those are the guys who will be in that. But there are three more who have slightly less power, but still a lot of power, and we sometimes hear of these three as well. All right. So the second group of three in the empire is the Palace Herald, the Reagir Ekali. <laughs> Also, this guy we heard about, this position, the chief cupbearer, the Rap Yage, or the Rap Yake. Chief cupbearer. It is such an interesting name, right? It <laughs> sounds like he's, you know, here's your cup, here's your cup of beer. And we also have the steward, Abaraku. And these guys would have had their own staffs too, I would imagine, right? Of course. Oh, yes. And of course, these three titles sound like they are doing domestic stuff in the court. One of them is carrying a cup, another one is the steward, and then we have the herald. This is not at all true. They might have done these services in ceremonies, Mm -hmm. but these are high Assyrian state positions. Right. The palace herald has the small task of being the chief administrative officer of the entire nation that's that's easy (laughs) so so i guess maybe that makes him like the finance minister yeah in business he's kind of like the c the c o o oh oh the finance minister then maybe he's like the cfo i think he's the cfo and the coo perhaps yeah Uh, the chief cupbearer is a position I don't quite understand, but we have examples of him actually doing the king's job. Hmm. For example, at the siege of Jerusalem. Yeah. When Sennacherib was around, he is not there. Sennacherib is not there at the siege of Jerusalem. No. His chief cupbearer is. And he's talking for the empire to the, the king in Jerusalem. Yeah, that's a that's a really good um, place where we have this information. We get this information from. I just did helped another podcaster do some research on that, and so I went back into the you know the whole story. And yeah, he was definitely that official came in. and and then they just a little sidebar. They believe that what if you go back and read what they said at the walls of Jerusalem that that's probably was sort of true. They did sort of do those things where they would come out and you know say, if you guys don't come out, come out, you will uh, 
you know, be drinking donkey urine and eating dung and all those nasty curses. Maybe the chief cupbearer delivered the king's threats. Yeah. And then, and then that particular instance, he was speaking in Hebrew. So either if he was actually spoke Hebrew, he could that would mean he could have been a foreigner and he took that job. Or, you know, he had somebody else speaking Hebrew for them at the time. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because the Syrians, that's one thing that they did do. They would, they would, you were in a, if you lived in Assyria, you were an Assyrian and you paid taxes. Yes. You know, there was no apartheid in Assyria. Now, as long as you uh, worshipped Asher, did your military service, did your duties in society. Right. You are one of us. Correct. Uh, the last guy on the second level of three is the steward. And the steward seems to be responsible. The the first thing about the steward is that there is a network of stewards. Hmm. There are many stewards, but there is just one for the king. Okay. So there's also a steward for the crown prince, for the queen mother, and the chief wife. And they get shit done. Yeah, personal assistant. They carry out special royal commissions. So if something needs to be transported, something something non-military needs to be done, this is the guy who will be in charge of it. Mm-hmm. So these six positions are above the next level. Are you ready for the next level? Let me have it. It's the governors. All right. So wait, this is so like those other guys are sort of like the federal government. And then the governors are sort of like, you know, the the provincial government. Exactly. Yeah. And the governors are ranked uh, based on what they are actually governing. So if if you're governor of uh, Nineveh, you right. are pretty hot, but if you're governor of uh, Samaria, then maybe not. Yeah, right. Right, right. But these are the provinces that Assyria directly control. Right. And the weird thing is that they have governors of the major cities, but we will see another guy who also rules the cities. There is sort of a major as well. But he is below the governor in rank. Hmm. Maybe it's like the governor of New York State and the major of New York City. Oh, yeah, it could be that. Or his lieutenant, yes. Oh, because it's the region. Now, I hate to be like not remembering, but it wasn't Sargon the governor of, of Nineveh? I don't remember either. <laughs> I think so. I, I believe that that was his deal, that he was the governor of Nineveh. And that's how he was powerful. And that's how he, you know, usurped the throne. Karen Radner would say he, he was a, not, but I, you know, you and I believe that he was probably a usurper. Exactly. Yeah. But that's why a lot of governors were eunuchs, because they would normally not usurp the throne. And they were almost considered like, you know, children or brothers of the of the king, like an actual family member. I think a pattern was that uh, strong kings had eunuchs as governors and weak yeah. kings gave way to the nobility and they assumed governorships. That's, yes, very well said. The most important governor was the governor of the Assyrian heartland. Right. Sort of the the old country. Right. Where all the the chief cities were. So there were governors for the area and for each city. Yeah. Each one of these governors, all of the governors, even the one of Samaria, 
had their own palaces and courts huh. and armies, but not right. the not the yearly enormous army, but some army. Right. Well, they put it together. That was part of the army. I mean, right? They had a yes. governors recruited the army for their area. Exactly. So we have the governor level, and then we move a bit further down the the pyramid. And there is a, a group of officials that have very diverse functions. We have actually a group of viziers, Sukalu. But there is a grand vizier, the Sukalu Rabu. Uh-huh. And this guy actually can show up on eponyms. Okay. And uh, the grand vizier is also high on the list of people you want to look, uh, want to witness your legal documents. Right. Okay. But it's not entirely clear what they do, and they seem, but they seem to be advisors to the king, which would make them subjects of the of the vice chancellor, the Umanu. I, th- I know that one of their jobs from reading that intelligence book I mentioned to you was that that was a big part. You know, we would think of them, we can't think of them as governors today, like governor of New York, because, you know, they had these other duties, too, because it was a whole different thing. But one of their duties was as the intelligence hub of, of you know, the area. So the governors would get the information from around, the you know, they would know the area. Yeah. I mean, we have to think of it like... It's you know if you're the governor of New York now you're not worried about you know getting raided and atta- attacked by you know people that could be living like thirty miles away, so you know they kept track of all that kind of stuff and kept their you know they were sort of an intelligence hub is is in addition to being administered and all that other stuff. That makes sense. I I see the I imagine the governor of some area for example to actually be the sort of stand in for the king in the area so he assumes all roles right. in a sense right and they kept them in line you know making sure their information was right because there was other spies and other governors and then the governor would give this information say either directly to the king or directly to somebody under the king usually crown prince in Sennacherib's time when Sennacherib was crown prince and then but then he, you know they would get the same information from some other place and if it didn't match well, you might you know, probably get mutilated or some horrible thing would happen to you. But that's sort of how they kept an eye on them, too. Oh, clever. Yeah. They really, when you think about it, like, you know, even the, you know how the Romans, their governors were different. You know, their governors were like Caesar and Pompey. Well, Caesar wasn't necessarily a governor, but like Pompey, right? And it's like, okay, Pompey, you conquered this, now you're the governor of that. And now you're going to come and attack Rome with an army. I, uh, the, the proconsul governors of Rome was very much sort of a reward you got for being a, being a consul. So then right. you served a proconsulship and you basically were very enticed to sack the entire province and take all their stuff. Right. So I think the Assyrian governorship actually worked better for the provinces yeah. than what the Roman one did before the empire. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my comments and the whole thing till after you finish the part. But I, it's, it's making me think about how they ran this empire. It was really, and this, being the, you know, the, really the first one that's done like this. Yeah, and I think one big difference between the Assyrian Empire and the Roman Republic, at least, is that government is actually 
on a provincial level, whereas the Roman Republic is very much centered on if you wanted to be anything, you would have to be in Rome. Yeah. Except if you were the proconsul out sacking a province. Yeah. And the people weren't Roman citizens until that was not the Republic, obviously. That was in the good old Caracalla's day in like the early 3rd century AD. Right. But we're not talking about the Roman Empire here. We need to talk about more Assyrian yes. uh, officials at the level of the viziers. So this is a, still a very high level. If you like this uh, conversation, you can uh, go to Patreon and support the podcast. Because we do need your help to stay around. We've been around for a long time yeah. and we want to be around for a lot longer. You can find us on patreon.com and search for Fano History. It's a mutual agreement in that if we don't produce episodes, you don't pay anything. So if we would, for any reason, miss an episode, you don't pay anything. Right. Uh, yes. Thanks to everyone who has supported us. I love when listeners reach out, so please do. Reach out to us. Thank you, Bernie. Speak to you next time. Thank you, Dan. Yep, talk to you again, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.